welcome and thank you for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Maryville, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can always visit our website for more information at vineyardchurch.us. In addition to Sunday's message, we're taking some time for conversations, a sort of look behind the scenes. In today's episode, we hear an encouraging story of healing from Melissa Webb, a conversation with Zach Weaver, our new kids and associate youth pastor, and in closing, a bit from Sharon and Aaron McCarter about a new church guideline. To start things today, Aaron and I talk a bit about the process and why we're making our move to add a third service and some info about the Church Center app. Thanks for joining us. Hey guys, I am here with David. Yes, sir. And we're just going to go through a couple of announcements here. Stuff that we said we're going to use this podcast mostly for things we don't have time to say on Sunday. Right. But some things need to be said again and again and again. We need to say them everywhere. Yes. And (laughs) so we're going to say them here as well. Um, The first is a service change, service time change. Yeah. So we're adding the third service. so we're starting September 11th. We're moving. We have to adjust all the service times. Yeah. There's just no way around it. Mm-hmm. I wish there was. But so it'll be 8.30. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I can get it. 8.30, <laughs> yeah. 10, and 11.30. Yep. Starting September 11th. Um, don't Just to that point, it might, might be concerning um, to hear your worship pastor not know when the service times are. That's because I just get here really early. So yes, I'm just ready to go all day. Anyway. Yes, you are. You're such so, yeah. an early bird. <laughs> Three services coming and we're, we're uh, yeah, we, we need it. It was kind of unavoidable. It. Yes, we didn't decide too early. That's for no. sure. <laughs> no, in fact, we... Uh, just so you guys know, we pushed it as long as we could. We yeah. felt we started to feel that that need before the summer, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And we said, let's let's see if we can sneak through and get to the summer. Things kind of get a little bit different during the summer. And we um, also wanted to see, you know, we're we're out of the summer. Mm-hmm. Wanted to see how things would land, and it just, which it's a wonderful challenge. The space yep. challenge because we have people who are coming, uh, which is great. We want to have space for people. Yeah. And this is not a new idea, but when when a person might come into a room and there's not doesn't feel like there's space, that's not the that's not the the uh, experience we want for people to have. Yeah. So that's the that's kind of what's pushing that, what's driving it. Yeah, it turns people away. They yeah. don't feel welcome. They don't feel needed. Yeah. Um, and we want to make sure we we have a way to really say welcome yeah. with our whole hearts because that's what totally. we feel. Yes, and, exactly. And um, it's always exciting uh, when the church grows through the summer. That yeah. usually means big things for the fall, yeah. and that's what we experienced. Yep. We we held off through the we summer. We did. We did. I promise. <laughs> um, I promise. We, had we, some, we squeezed in yeah. for a few services, but um, and that's in all the spaces too. Like that's kids' spaces too. Are feeling that that for sure. Ooh, we need a little. Little re- release valve, I yes. think. And so. crowded in a kids' room is a different dynamic oh, than man. crowded in the yeah. sanctuary. It's, yes, it's very, it's very intense. So anyway, eight thirty, ten, eleven thirty, and I'd, I've had a couple of people ask, um, why add a service now when we're about to move? Um, yeah, and I wanted, maybe I feel like I need to be clear about this. It's going to take a while before we get to move. It like, is, I know. It is. Like, it's not hunkered down for a couple of weeks. Like, it's going to be several months, and we're yeah. saying a year just sort of as a rule of thumb to... I don't, Because the honest answer is we don't know how long it's going to take, Yep. but a, a year is sort of a reasonable sort of plot of time. Maybe we can do it before then. Either way, it's not like hold on for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's several months. Because if, if that was the case, then yeah, that idea makes sense. Just hold off. But yep. like I said, we've held off as long as we <laughs> That's right. felt we could. No more holding <laughs> off, says um, all the children's workers. Yes. Um, and then uh, another pretty big announcement, and this is, uh, we'll start announcing this this coming Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have an app now that is going to make communication giving, signing up for stuff, getting podcasts, yep. finding the online stream if you're online, it's going to make all that so much easier. Um, yeah. Not that it's hard now, but it's practically frictionless on the app. It really works a lot better. Kind of a, a one-stop shop. Aaron, how does a person get this app? All right, here's how you get the How's app. How's that work? Is that you, a good setup? You get out, yes. You get out <laughs> your phone because these apps are unlike... Look, you can do all this stuff on our website. 
But um, the web's apps are designed native to yeah. phones. That it's just a more, just a easier experience. So um, go to the whatever type phone you have. You go to the app store, and you would think I'm going to search Maryville Vineyard. That mm-hmm. would not be correct. You want to search Church Center church center so we have a management uh, a whole suite of products that's church that we do for church management and they offer the app so um you find church center you download that app you enable locations it'll ask you for that and then it will just pull up other churches in our area that are also using this app um and then you choose our church from the list and then it will be a dedicated uh, app just for our church. So it's not other churches in your experience. Gotcha. Yep. Um, but once you download it and pick our church from the list, then it will be uh, unique to us and all the stuff that we've got going on. And again, there's places to give. You can sign up for stuff. You can get sermon notes, um, sign up for a group, get the podcast, um, the live stream, um, all the stuff that kind of we need on the spot. Um, on a Sunday especially. It's going to be right there. It's going to be a lot smoother. you hear about this more moving forward. But if you're a podcast listener, you can get it a few days early. Yeah, this is the the inside scoop. You're hearing it first. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. All right. Thanks, David. Well, hey, folks. I am here with Melissa Webb. Hey, Melissa. Hey. Thanks for taking a little bit of time to sit down and talk. You have a really cool testimony that I thought it would be good uh, to share with the church. Um, But for a a little bit of context first... um, this is this is audio. This is not video. If this was video, then everyone would know exactly who you are and who I'm talking to because you're on the announcement video regularly um, <laughs> and you're on the stage singing regularly and everybody would be like, oh, that's Melissa. Um, so uh, so you do that. You've led groups. You you were on our staff for, for a, a good little while there, yeah. a good while. Yeah. Um, doing more admin stuff, kind of behind the scenes, whereas now a lot of stuff you're doing is up front. Um, <laughs> Scary stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're awesome at it. Um, and what people may not know, because there's so many people who are new at our church, is like you're like a vineyard OG man. Like you mm. go way back. Like you were one of the people who, like. When we said, "Hey, we're going to do a building campaign for the next building," who you remembered the building? Ca- the it was a totally different thing, but the fundraising for this building. Mm-hmm. I do. And you are you asked questions about. Remember, we did this and that, and what's funny is I did not remember. It was all a blur to me, and you remembered. Um, I did. So anyway, it was a red pamphlet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I had move. Remember the yes move had a was box our on that it. was our campaign name. Yeah. Move. move. It's like well, Keyword, that's move. clear. If nothing else, people yeah. know what this is about. It is about <laughs> moving. Um, so uh, you you found so many places to serve in our church, and I'm so grateful. And one of the places you were serving was at our recent um, regional conference uh, that our church helped host, and you helped us host it. And uh, that's kind of where the story begins. We. Uh, we're somewhere in the middle of that conference. It was all a blur because it was super busy. Um, and I got a text message from you asking for prayer. Do you remember that? I do. I do. Um, well, um, Andrew and I were at dinner. Um, I think it was Tuesday night of the conference. And and Andrew, sorry to interrupt Andrew's you. my husband. You've Andrew, probably you've seen, seen him on him, stage. You've seen him play the drums. <laughs> he plays the drums. And He's he is tall. He is very, very He's tall. Very tall yes. and likes to wear a hat. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's Andrew. So um, we're having dinner and uh, we were kind of just talking through the day. And a few, well, I'd say a couple months before or several weeks before the conference, mm-hmm. um, something happened. Like I had some sort of like episode, I guess, I guess Mm -hmm. is the only way I could describe it. I mean, I felt a physical touch from the Lord before, but I've Mm -hmm. never had like a physical episode like I had. And I mean, it was full body out of control. Mm, Like a Um, really intense. It was very intense. I struggle with anxiety. Mm -hmm. I've, you know, sometimes feel overwhelmed, have had depression, but Mm -hmm. this feeling of overwhelm was an actual weighted feeling like Mm -hmm. I, and I was just out of control and, um, it lasted about 20 minutes. I mean, I really can't even describe it. My yeah. head was hot. Like, it was mm-hmm. so weird. Um, but it it hurt my voice. Like, my vocal cords mm. in this 
Like I could not, my speaking voice wouldn't go above a certain so this felt like level. An this was an absolute attack. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I'm just thinking I'm super overwhelmed by a lot of things in life yeah. or remodeling the kitchen or my job was moving offices. Like it was just a lot, you yeah. know. Um, and it lasted about 20 minutes. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew has his version of what happened as well. <laughs> um, but it, it hurt my voice. And so it had bothered me since then and we get to the mm-hmm. conference so we're singing which is one of my favorite things to do i love worship i yep. love anything vineyard regional mm-hmm. conferences <laughs> trainings all the things i'm yep. here for it um and that morning on tuesday morning I, we were singing in worship as it always is awesome and my voice just started hurting my throat just felt like someone was like stabbing my chest mm-hmm. got really hot um again i couldn't go above like a certain spot uh-huh. in my range i guess mm-hmm. um where i normally can and so I felt a little defeated, a little sad. I'm like, oh, I'm still dealing with whatever that was, right. you know. And so we're at dinner and I'm just like really tired. I had taken a nap that day. Andrew went mm-hmm. to spiritual direction. Like, mm-hmm. so I was like, I have a little bit. I'm going to take a nap. Maybe I'll feel better. We yeah. go to dinner. I'm talking about it. And he's like, tell them you need prayer. Yeah. And I was like, why? that They're busy. You uh-huh. know, I'm not going to bother Aaron and Sharon, you know, uh-huh. hey, can you pray for me? <laughs> like uh-huh. lay hands. I mean, there's people with actual problems at this conference. Like uh, I don't problem. need to get prayer. You I'm know? on Andrew's side. With I this can one. get prayer yeah. anytime from my <laughs> pastors, you know. Um, and he's like, no, right now, right now, do it. And I was like, okay, sure. Let's, why not? So mm-hmm. I, I, sh- I was like, well, I'll, I'll send a text, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's easy. So I, I tell a little bit of the story of what happened and then mm-hmm. how I was feeling. And could you all pray? Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, sure, absolutely. I'm not certain exactly of the response, but I'm, yeah. you know, and I was like, okay, cool. They're going to pray for me. I'm good. Mm-hmm. So we finished dinner. We go get a coffee because I love some coffee <laughs> and, um, we get back to the conference that evening and, um, we went through worship. I'm still having the issue. Yeah. And so I couldn't sing. You couldn't really. sing. I couldn't and it was sing. just the just painful, burning, the burning, stabbing, stabbing. Couldn't like even speaking was weird. So yeah. I was like, well, I just can't. So I'm just yes. going to stop. And um, Josh Miller was on stage. Josh. Josh Wait. Josh Williams. On. Josh Williams. Josh Miller's the worship leader. Josh That's Williams right. was the That's right. speaker. That's Very right. Confusing. We hung out with Joshua Miller <laughs> the, the whole time. time. Yeah. Okay. So Josh Williams. Yeah. He's um he gets up to speak that evening. He's like the the person, the 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 keynote guy that yes. that evening. So and the, he starts. the Vineyards Associate National Director of Justice and Evangelism because yes. we love some long titles in the vineyards. Exactly. exactly. I didn't remember that, but I remember he's a super cool dude. Oh, like he's he amazing. was awesome. There was some Taco Bell the night before. I don't know, a big thing. Anyway, you can ask Annie about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anywho, he gets up on stage and he starts to speak and he's like, I feel like I need to talk about my wife, who is also an amazingly talented vineyard worship leader. Yes, she is. And I'm sure there's other things in, in a title with her somewhere. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, so he starts to talk about that she is having vocal issues and she was, you know, she wasn't able to sing and she had started going to see a specialist about it and what mm-hmm. was going on and she was facing surgery. Yeah. And so she goes to her pre op appointment mm-hmm. and they're doing all the scans or whatever they do just to make sure and look at it. And like it's whatever, it was like a cyst or something on her vocal cord yeah. and it was gone and there was a scar in its place. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, so I'm yep. like, okay. So your <laughs> mind, your like, heart's racing. We're starting to race. Yeah. I'm starting point, to like perk right? up a little Sitting bit. A little close to home. Cause I'm thinking also, maybe I need to go see somebody. Also you know? Sharon and I were sitting right in front Directly of you. Directly in front of and me. And we, I kept turning over and shooting glances your way. I don't yeah. know if you noticed or yeah. not. <laughs> I'm just like, and of course the whole time I'm just getting hotter and hotter and my yeah. heart's beating faster and faster. Sure. And, um, so, and then he says, you know, the scars there. Yeah. And then I guess she went back a couple of weeks later just uh-huh. to make sure things had, yeah, the Still scar was on. there as if she had had the surgery. Yes. that was that. It looked just like a post-surgical scar <laughs> for surgery she never had. <laughs> she never had. She went for her pre-op. Yeah, and it had already happened. Yeah, um, and if you don't believe in miracles, by the way, it's pretty hard to put that in the coincidence <laughs> category. That's, like that's right. a real stretch. Right, you can't you can't science that yeah, away. That's like, tough. Yeah. Um. So she goes back, and like even the scar was gone. Mm-hmm. So like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the Lord had fully healed her. And so the whole reason he's telling this story is he said, I feel like there's someone in the room that is having vocal issues or isn't able to sing. And mm-hmm. um, the Lord's wanting to heal you today. Yeah. And I mean, I, of course, I'm just like mouth drops and you and Sharon turn around at the exact same time and just like in slow mo and just like <laughs> look at me. And I was just like, and my immediate thought was you told him. 
Oh, that was my immediate thought is that that's hilarious. Sharon had said, Hey, that never <laughs> I mean, even crossed my mind. I mean, I know you enough that you're not going to do that, but like, but yeah, because you're immediately doubts. my doubting. Comes yeah, how do in, we like, explain this away? And I've always sure. said when I'm at like the sing togethers or any of that, mm-hmm. so I'm always like, I want a word from the Lord, mm-hmm. I want to hear from the Lord, you know, sure. And so he's like, All right, yeah, here it is, <laughs> here we are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's. So you stood because you had to stand. We had to stand at that moment prayer. because he said. And and you did quite quickly. And it's a good thing because Andrew would have thrown you to your feet. I think so. If you hadn't. He, yeah, he would have been very disappointed had yeah. I stood up. And, then we, and so we gathered around and prayed. And there were mm-hmm. other people around the room who were getting prayer, I think, mm-hmm. for some other things or maybe not related. I don't know. I don't remember the details. Um, <laughs> but then when we prayed for you. Uh, did you did you experience anything going on physically at that point? Was there anything? Did you were you aware of the Lord's Spirit at that work at that time? I was. So okay. you you and Sharon prayed, and maybe others. I think Andrew was standing there, um, and you said, "Does anything feel different?" Yeah. And I said, "The burning's gone." Yeah, I remember now. And I and immediately Which, I was like, "Side note, <laughs> Melissa, I'm going to interrupt just because okay. just as the quick reminder, like if you're going to pray for someone in faith." Believing that the Lord would heal them, doesn't it make sense that you would ask whether or not it worked? <laughs> yes. And so many times, and that's part of the Vineyard Prayer Model, uh, the Five Step Prayer Model. You should look it up, Google that thing. Um, but like, man, just hit pause and when you're praying for people and say, "Hey, did that work?" Because we have a theology that makes it clear that it really might work, mm-hmm. and also we don't have to panic or judge anyone or cast aspersions if for some reason it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So why not ask? Now that's just me jumping on a soapbox, hey, but you jump. you jump right back into your okay. story. <laughs> <laughs> so the burning went away, and you were like, yeah. "Okay, y'all kept praying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you just kept doing what you did." Um, and then, you know, we were done and simultaneously, Andrew had been dealing with a low back pain and while I'm being healed, mm-hmm. his low back pain went away Yeah, and he was like, he was immediately in tears as well. It's so like, we're yeah. both standing there like, oh my gosh, this is really <laughs> happening. Like, yeah. not that we've ever doubted it, but I guess we did. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. But, Lord, I believe help my unbelief. Yeah. That's totally a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so since then, the voice... So since then, so that was on Tuesday. Okay. Wednesday, um, I heard from the Lord, I healed you, but now you need to rest. Okay. And so I just tried not to talk as much on Wednesday as much. You know, I was still saying that morning mm-hmm. it was fine, like mm-hmm. in worship. It was great, and I was so grateful. And I was like, okay, we're back. You know, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Wednesday was awesome. Got to hang out with uh, Joshua Miller again. <laughs> right. And then Thursday morning, the the pain came back mm-hmm. a little bit, like a little, just a little stab. And I was back mm-hmm. to like not being able to sing. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Right. Like I manipulated the situation. Uh-huh. This really didn't happen. Like yep. who am I that the Lord would heal me? Like, you know, mm-hmm. and Aaron Wright was singing some song, which I can't remember the song, but she, and she's something in the song she said. And I was like, yeah, oh. yeah. And I said, you know what, Lord? I was, I was defeated. I'm like, uh-huh. I sat down actually. I was like, I can't sing. I'm just going to sit here. Right. And I said, no, no, no. You healed me the other day. There you go. And you are going to do it again. There we go. And he did. Yeah. So. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, just following up with you the next day and a little bit <laughs> after that. Hey, is, is it, how are you feeling? You were like, all better? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Can you sing? Yes? Yeah. Question mark. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it struck me as this really familiar feeling of people in that I've personally experienced on the other side of healing. And I know many others have as well, where you go, was that really real? Did I manufacture that? Mm-hmm. Was it just you know, psychosomatic to where some sort of mental thing that sort of shut off the pain because that's what I really wanted, but it wasn't really a divine touch. Um, and I just think the enemy really plays on our fears in that regard. And it's interesting. You can, this isn't always the case, but you can trace this back to a specific, mm-hmm. I would even uh, like a demonic attack. hundred so, percent. Okay. So a I've specific evil attack upon you. Mm-hmm. And so your context is this is spiritual warfare. This is the enemy's attack. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and he's a defeated, he's an enemy, but he's a defeated enemy. And then that, that enemy, that, that attack fate was, was handled the decisive blow that night when we prayed. Mm-hmm. But what is very common is the enemy will come back and, and, and to see if, if we will, 
I don't understand it theologically. Honestly, Melissa, I don't have like a stack of verses for this, but I've just seen it and experienced it so many times where people will will question and they'll say, was that really the Lord? And then it will try to creep back. And I've seen it come back and just stay back in people's lives. Uh, but there have been others who have said, um, they've, they've done exactly what I'm so glad you just did intuitively, which is no, I, I am holding on to the gift that the Lord has already given me. If he's given it to me, then it's mine. That, I don't buy the name and claim it stuff. But if he's if he's already given it to you, then you can claim it right. <laughs> because it's already been offered. Yeah. And so for you to say no, this is my victory. Like I, the Lord's already done this, and mm-hmm. I, and it and it made it really clear this this attack has to be over um, by the Lord's decree, not by you, <laughs> but by your faith and 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 Christ in you. Like that was a piece of the puzzle. I had a similar experience. Um, I had a, I experienced a healing in my neck. I had. Um, uh, multiple discs that were what's it called when they're squished? I can't think of the word right now. Squished discs. Squished. Some somewhere uh, a, a physician is listening and, and is just cringing all over because I just called it a squish. <laughs> anyway, they couldn't they couldn't fix it, and the only thing they could do was surgery to to fix it, and I just didn't want to do that. And um, it, 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 there's a longer version of the story, but the short version is ultimately I I received healing. I I I sought prayer. It was healed. It was gone, and like a hundred percent gone, and it stayed gone. And like six months later, I was sitting in my office, and that familiar pain and the referred pain that it would send down my arm—it all came all at once. Um, and I was in my office all by myself, and I stood up for no reason. Apparently, I just—I'm going to make a decree, so I guess I'll stand. <laughs> and I literally said, "Hell no!" Yeah. And I didn't mean it like in the like the colloquialism (laughs) hell no i meant literally this is hell itself and i'm saying no to hell um and then it went away and that's been ah gosh i'm not good at times five or six years ago and it hasn't returned since but that's a thing that happens Mm -hmm. and on the other side of healing i think the lord can really i i'll say this um the enemy wants to attack because he's lost ground and he wants to fight back in some way. And I think it's often in our own minds about whether or not we're going to accept what the Lord has done for us or allow him to cast doubt. And ultimately, even if even if the, the healing doesn't uh, go away, but we can still lose the freedom that came from it because we're lost in our own minds trying to evaluate what did or didn't happen. Sure. And the bottom line is, I was there. We prayed, the kingdom of God came in power. You were healed. And the enemy's attack was thwarted, and it was awesome. Well done. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of well done, I really appreciate you coming and sharing your testimony. Happy to. Yeah, when God does stuff in the life of our church, it's good to tell the story. Yes, Yeah. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Well, hey, folks, I am here with... Reverend Dr. Zachary Weaver. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, Zach. Yeah. And if you guys uh, don't know yet, um, Zach is our new kids pastor. And we actually haven't talked to the church much about this, but it's a bit of a dual role. Um, also our associate youth pastor. So you're helping things go. Right. Um, really with everybody, zero to 18, man. Like you kind of got the, the whole gamut there where you're at least involved. So I've known you, Zach, for like years and years, but it's been, hey, that's my sort of vague conference friend who, because mm-hmm. you've been in the vineyard for a good long time, you're new to Maryville, but I've I've known you as that guy at the conferences who I've spoken to a time or two. I think one time in Chattanooga conference, we sat down and talked for 30 or 40 minutes yeah. about what was going on in your church and... I remember that. I remember being, I like this guy. I'm impressed with this guy. This sharp guy. (laughs) Just sort of put it away, a little mental note. And then through the weirdest turn of events, I never imagined that I would ever be talking to you about a position at our church. But but here we are, man. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of things. Tell us, um, folks, I mean, so I know you. I know your backstory. The folks listening don't. So like we've never met before, give us a little bit of your background, man. Yeah, so I grew up in Oklahoma. It was a Southern Baptist church and went there um, all the way through into high school. And mm-hmm. I got 
I've learned the language for it now, but when I was uh-huh. in high school, I didn't understand what deconstructing was. Oh, I And gotcha. I went through a, a long period of kind of deconstructing through high school and through mm-hmm. college and just started walking um, kind of away from the faith for a really long time, mm. uh, probably better part of a decade, I would, wow. I would think. And uh, in the meantime, went to college and met uh, so my wife. in that deconstruction yeah. phase, if if someone had asked you, hey, are you a Christian? Do you believe in, in God? Would, what would your answer have oh, been? Oh, I'd have said no, absolutely you, not. Oh, okay. So you, you were out. <laughs> yeah, Got but it. it wasn't all at once. It wasn't just mm-hmm. like I gave up. I was a real on-fire Christian, uh-huh. and um, I didn't... The thing I realize now is that I didn't have any relationship with God. I had the fear of God uh-huh. and I had the knowledge of God, but I didn't have the love of God. Yeah. And without the love of God, it, it didn't hold together under fire. Yeah. And so there was a lot of testing that mm-hmm. came, a lot, I mean, as it does when you're a teenager, mm-hmm. you go through a lot of that stuff and just didn't hold up. Yeah. And I just slowly kind of backed my way through it until I, it eroded completely. And I just mm-hmm. said, I'm done. I'm, yeah. I'm going to walk away. Gotcha. So, I uh, I met Amy in the mm-hmm. in the meantime at college, yeah. and um, that was still in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and we got married there, and yeah. that was in '99. So it's a long time ago. We've been married a long time. Yeah, good for um, you, man. And we uh, and then we moved here. Still not a believer. Um, and started. But Amy was. Amy was. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think the exact words of her parents especially her dad was you're not going to marry him are you <laughs> so well, fair enough I too mean, zach I, mean, I would probably have given the same <laughs> advice in my case i, I mean, was it like all worked out i was but... like long hair and uh-huh. uh, you know I, I had a scruffy really scruffy beard i, I think i smoked probably then <laughs> i was not like the most wholesome person you wanted to meet um, but you know i got a uh, we we started I, I told her i'd go to church with her and mm-hmm. um, Went to several churches, and finally a friend of ours got us uh, connected with a vineyard in Atlanta, which I had no okay. knowledge of what vineyard was. Mm-hmm. Um, started going and set in church on a Sunday and uh, was not at all like following, really paying attention to the sermon, mm-hmm. but the pastor... Because you just went there to make Amy happy. I did. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you a funny backstory, too. Uh, this will especially uh, intrigue David because of my background in music and worship is right. I hated the music. <laughs> and I would, I would. this is no and lie, you knew. You I knew. would sit in the parking lot during worship and then come in for the wow. preaching. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So anyway... Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, I uh, I came into the sermon, and I was not really paying attention, but he said something uh, that really resonated mm-hmm. with me. And I had just one of those encounters with the Holy Spirit. And yeah. church was over. Uh, he did a quote-unquote altar call, mm-hmm. and Amy said, hey, you're ready to go? And I said, I don't think I can. And she said, what do you mean? You're not feeling good? And I said, I think I have to go down front. And she was like... She didn't know what that what I was trying to... It, it took her a minute to go... She had no expectation. No, she didn't realize uh-huh. at all. And it was one of those radical changes. So yeah. it was like a 180 degree change from the way I was walking. And that was your first Sunday back. Oh, no, you said you've been to some other churches. It was your first Sunday at, the vine- at this no, church. No, no, no. It was a long time of, of churches, of, of oh, Sundays see. into the vineyard. There just wasn't gotcha. any expectation of it. Just Amy was serving. She was doing kids ministry, doing gotcha. worship with the little kids and all so of that. So you lingered around... I did, and, and then and then just one day, boom! It, one it hit. One day, it, it just grabbed it you. just grabbed me, and I went down front, and then mm-hmm. it was just like God had me on a track mm-hmm. after that point. So I started um, started meeting with the pastor, uh, talking about like leadership and and pastoring and going down that ro- road. So we went mm-hmm. down kind of a discipleship path there led to uh, small group leadership, mm-hmm. led to eventually, um, this is on a different track, but yeah. uh, led to worship leading. Mm-hmm. Um, that eventually led to kind of an associate pastor role and then eventually called a plant a church. Yep. And that all happened from like 2008 to 2014. So it was like a six okay. year track. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, Things were that seems like a long time, but that's not a long time to go from from zero to yeah. uh, filling all those roles and significant leadership right. in a significant church with a lot going on and right. getting mentored and discipled. So there was a lot of a lot of moving parts, and yeah. then you went off to plant the church. I did, and that was Atlanta area as well, right? It was suburb yeah. of Atlanta, um, 
Lilburn, Tucker, mm-hmm. that kind of area. So sure, I just said mm-hmm, as if I knew where that was, but I was just yeah. I was just being affirming. You're just being nice. Yeah, <laughs> just nobody knows nice. where any of those are. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, oh, all right. Now it was our community. Uh, there was a whole group of us that all lived in that community, and the Atlanta Vineyard was moving more toward downtown Atlanta, uh-huh. which was opposite of kind of where we were situated. So it was starting to become a commuter church for us. Uh-huh. Um, and we had already felt the call of God calling us to plant the church. And so we uh, we decided to plant in our local area yeah, with some local cool. people. Yeah. So you led that church for a good long stretch too. Almost almost nine years. Almost nine years. Yep. It's a long time to lead a church. It was. Yeah. Learned some stuff. I did. Got some bruises. Yep. Got some stories, some yep. wins, some losses, <laughs> all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Um, so let me sort of rewind here because there's this other sort of, uh, story in your life, mm-hmm. um, with music. Right. So why don't you kind of give me that piece of the picture? Yeah. So my, my background, I mean, it has really nothing to do with ministry <laughs> or with any of that. I, 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 I grew, I grew up loving to play music. Um, played the piano since I was a little kid. I was yeah. probably some of my earliest pictures my parents have of me before I can remember is like two or three years old sitting down in front of the piano. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, I'm going on 42 something years of probably <laughs> playing the piano and 40 something of doing it seriously. Yeah. And um, I ended up going to college though on a, a French horn. Uh, if you're a music person, then that's the horn. But for everybody else, okay. that's the French horn. Okay. Um, French horn scholarship uh, was a performance major. Okay. And my role, my goal was I wanted to be um, in the symphony. Uh, I wanted mm. to, I wanted to be a professional uh, horn player. And I the was horn. on hmm? the horn player. Yeah, that's what they call it. It's the <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other. This is like a rabbit Sounds hole. You don't need to go down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is this is going to take longer. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I. So I was on track for that, and and yeah. things were things were moving in that direction. Um, was quickly quickly starting to find my way through that path, mm-hmm. and my end of my sophomore into my junior year, I had something happen with my mouth that completely derailed all of those plans. So if you were mm-hmm. an athlete, you'd say like, "Oh, I tore my hamstring, uh-huh. I tore my ACL, uh, whatever it is, can't." Right keep doing what I was doing. That's basically what happened. Really? I mean, my ACL of my face. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> your face CL. Uh, my face CL uh, was messed up. So uh, <laughs> anyway, I was not able to continue. Yeah. Um, my guidance counselors there, my whatever you whatever you call them, mm-hmm. uh, I went and met with all of them and said, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I can't do what's required because you have to play certain things. You have to be able to do certain yeah. certain roles and and concerts and pass things. It's all for a grade, and um, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said, "Well, you can't keep doing horn, so you're mm-hmm. going to have to stop with that. You can't keep going on this track because you're." I mean, they didn't. They said it in nicer words. They basically, right. you're going to fail out right. of school. Um, and so they said, "Do you play any other instruments? Because uh, you're already on the track for music. You might as well stay on it. Um, uh-huh. Do you do anything else?" So I play piano, uh, but I have not done it seriously. It's just kind of a fun thing I do on the side. And they Mm -hmm. said, we'll make a meeting with you and the piano, head of the piano department. Uh, You go meet with them, and let's see what they say. And this guy took me under his wing, and he heard me play. I guess, I mean, I was playing now that I know, like very basic rudimentary stuff compared to what it was. And in two years, he took me from that to the level that all the other piano majors were playing in college. Oh, wow. And it took, I mean, we were hours. I know. It was like yeah. 30 hours a week of practice wow. to get in into this. Uh, and he just poured into me, and he poured more than just teaching. I mean, he taught me, like, how how to do it, how to teach well, how to believe, and how to... So That's really was, incredible. It was. And it turned... Every, that put my life on a completely different trajectory. Yeah. I went from being a... Well, you were um, in crisis, man. And then... I this, was. Yeah, and then he recognized that. He did. And walked with you. Man, that's really... I don't know that... I don't even know his name. I think he might be my hero. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he passed away a few years ago. It was a sad day. Yeah. Well, um, now I'm heartbroken. This has been quite the <laughs> yeah. roller coaster ride. You know. <laughs> you started this. No. Um, he... Uh, but but he mentored me through so much of that, yeah. and um, 
I was on track then for piano performance, uh, graduated, um, decided that uh, I probably didn't have enough training to be a piano professor um, mm -hmm. or to go off and do that professionally. But my other thing that I'd been doing since I was young was writing music. I, and when we talk writing music, we're talking classical music, Beethoven, Mozart, Haydn, this kind of right. writing music. Um, yeah. So I decided to get a degree in that. Okay. So I went and got a master's in that and um, graduated with that and decided to, I wanted to become a professor teaching music theory, music composition. And mm -hmm. so I went to uh, UGA, got accepted in their, their doctoral program, graduated with that in 2010. Like um, you do. Get the doctorate. You know, it's just all the things. And uh, if you're going to start something, you got to finish it. So <laughs> I love it. Uh, they I call it, it a terminal degree for a reason. Uh, <laughs> so it was the end. Uh, but I, um, I did eventually graduate, and then I got a job teaching at Emory mm -hmm. um, my yeah. first year out. And wow. it was a temporary position for a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, they asked me after I was done if I would apply. And that year was enough for me to realize that I absolutely did not want to be a college professor. Wow. Um, and I stopped that in its tracks um, wow. and uh, poured myself into private teaching, which is what I'd been doing to make money. And uh -huh. somehow along the way realized that that was my heart and my passion. Yeah. And the university was a, not about teaching as much as it was about publishing and... Mm -hmm making a name for yourself in the university. And I right. was way more concerned with making the kids' names yeah. than I was with making mine. And so yeah. I just decided that's where I wanted to go and mm. um, dedicated that to full time. And then that was 20 years later, <laughs> still doing that. So, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So you've kind of been on these parallel paths. So mm. as you've been finding life with Jesus and then landing in ministry and filling a lot of different roles, planning a church, leading a church. Yeah. At the same time, you're on this other path where you're teaching uh, mostly kids, right? Uh, yeah, 5 to 18. Wow. Yeah. Some adults, but not very many. Yeah. Um, teaching them at some... Interesting, with your, with your PhD, <laughs> teaching sometimes little kids the most basic stuff. Yep. Absolutely and, my favorite ones to teach, by the way. Yeah, so why is that? Um, I, I love the excitement that little kids have toward mm -hmm. it. And I, there's something about being able to take a really complicated, complex concept and break it down mm -hmm. into something bite-sized for a little kid yeah. and watch them get it and mm -hmm. go... Man, it took me three degrees to understand that, <laughs> and I'm able to get them to understand it in just like a 30 minute lesson. Yeah, it's it magic. It just is. It is. It's yeah. like magic, and it's so encouraging and exciting to watch them. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. I love that part of your story, man. So these two paths are kind of running parallel. Mm -hmm. And then tell us about the transition of the last year or so, and then yeah. how this randomly, the Maryville Vineyard, ended up in your life. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a lot of story. Um, so about a year ago, actually it, a little bit longer than that, um, in just through quiet times and talks with people and Amy and I sitting down together, we started hearing God saying that a time of transition was coming. Mm -hmm. um, I have some journals from you know, 2019. Uh, when COVID hit, I thought, well, pff, that's obviously what it was. Right. And uh, I mean, it just seemed like a no-brainer. This is what God was preparing me for, but sure. it wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and we... So let me, let me say a side note. I have yeah. in my life, there are like three things that I'm really passionate about. I'm really passionate about Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm really passionate about my family. Yeah. And I'm really passionate about teaching. Mm -hmm. And the way it was going is that all three of these were a tug of war in my life. Mm. And there was no, I was getting stretched so thin that I didn't mm -hmm. have bandwidth to do any of them well. Mm -hmm. So if I decided I was going to pour into the church, everybody else and all my students were getting eliminated from mm -hmm. that. If I pour into my family, something's getting left behind. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point that it was just this unsustainable path. Sure. And um, 
prayed about it and mm-hmm. kept praying about it, met with the leadership team at the church, said, this is where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, pray with us about this, about what God's telling us. And as we kind of walked through this process, we really felt like God was calling us to lay down the ministry at the church, Um, not to deconstruct, not to step away from church, Mm -hmm. not to give up on God, Mm -hmm. but to recognize that this is not what he'd called us to. Yeah. And... um, I've heard you tell the story a couple of times, and it's not at all ever sounded at all like a crisis of faith. It's just been more about just direction and what God, just what's next. Yeah. But... When you're stepping away from leadership of a church, it feels like a crisis, even if it's just hearing the kind voice of the Lord who's taking you through a transition. It's still a hard yeah. one. Yeah. And then, so <laughs> tell us, all right, how did, how did, so how do we end up here then? What's the next step in that? <laughs> all right. So um, because we were a vineyard church, uh, I reached out to, and the vineyard set up to have a uh, like a hierarchy of we've got our, our local church and we have our uh, area leader, we have regional mm-hmm. leader, super regional, and it goes through that setup. I don't know why I'm telling you this. You know all of this. That's all right. I feel like I need to inform the other people. About, the listener. I don't know why. Yeah, the yes. listener about this. Um, anyway, I reached out to our area leader and our regional leader who just happened to be Sharon McCarter. The good bishop. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to them and told them, this is what we feel like God is telling us. What's our next step? And they said, there is no next step. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Not exactly that, but it was kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And um, we began to walk through that process together, recognizing there was a need for more than just there isn't anything here to step out of right. this. And so we um, we began to walk through this process with um, a lady named Angela Otero, who was our mm-hmm. uh, area She's leader. Awesome. And then, yeah, she is. And, mm-hmm. and Sharon together. And through a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls back and forth. Um, and at some point, so we've already now officially stepped down from the church mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Uh, though I've still been serving up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, Sharon said, and I think I've got the email, I saved it because I thought it was great. Something like, this may be the worst idea ever, <laughs> but we have an opening at our church for a full-time children's pastor mm-hmm. and associate youth pastor. Yeah. Um, and of course, you'd been staying up all night thinking about kids' ministry. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the lifelong uh, dream. <laughs> and she uh, and and she said, um, "You never know what God might be doing." Mm-hmm. And it was that last line that I couldn't escape. Yeah. Um, no. My initial answer, um, it, not to her, but just in my mind when I read it was, well, absolutely not. I just uh-huh. got out of the ministry. I'm not mm-hmm. even done. I'm mm-hmm. definitely not stepping back into it. Mm-hmm. Had no plans to. Um, and so she, I, I told her I would pray about it. I think mm-hmm. that was where, where I left it. And I told Amy and Amy said, well, absolutely not. And I said, great, we are on the same page. That's, <laughs> that's right. And yeah. uh, I said, but I promised her we'd pray about it. Mm-hmm. And the more we prayed about doing it, that. yeah. <laughs> and the more we prayed about it, uh, the more we realized that God was that that opportunity here, the opportunity here, would pull into sync those three areas of our life: mm-hmm. the passions of Jesus, mm-hmm. family, and teaching. Mm-hmm. Except in a way that all surrounded um, one role and yeah. one place. And so um, now you can serve one not to the exclusion of the other, but to the benefit of the other. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah. So hmm. had a, Sharon said I had to make a resume. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've been self-employed for 22 years. <laughs> I didn't have a resume and I didn't know what I was going to put on a resume. And... Um, I kind of thought it was I, I was going to be funny with my resume, so I put everything together, and it was mostly all like 
my references were myself because I've worked for myself <laughs> for so long. Yeah. I didn't know what else to put. So I was just trying to cram information in there and I put the silly things in there and all mm-hmm. of that. And then I realized who the interview was going to be with and realized that silliness was not going to go <laughs> well. And, uh, and, uh, so I, I was pretty sure when I got done with the interview that I was not going to be on that <laughs> on the short list of whatever That's was funny. happening. But I told Amy that no matter what happens, um, this wasn't something I was planning on or something I was counting on. So I'm just going to be myself. Yeah. Go into that. I'm so and glad you did. Let's see what happens, what mm-hmm. God does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, man, you could you could really feel that just through the interview process. And we, and we have sort of a long involved process yeah. because... I don't mind admitting this. I have a fair bit of anxiety when it comes to hiring people. I just, the stakes are so high. I don't want to get wrong. It matters so much. I care so much. It, I mean, these are people's lives, you know, and so I get so wrapped up into it. Um, and uh, it was just such an encouraging process with you. It was so clear that um, you just wanted to follow the Lord and and be a godly father and say yes to Jesus. And uh, I remember one of the things that really stood out to me in that process, maybe the thing that stood out the most, and maybe you could, you could say it better than me, but this idea that in teaching music, you went all the way kind of up to the highest levels. Um, so you could, so you could teach adults and then you found yourself drawn to the idea of teaching kids and like, that's what I really love. And then you kind of did the same thing in ministry as you filled all these roles, but then you ended up as a lead pastor teaching adults and then discovering, hey, I really want to teach kids. Yeah, yeah. I think the, I think the similarities are are huge in it, and the, it's not lost on me that I I feel like that's, in hindsight, what God really was calling me to all along was the, a, a way of being able to take complex things, mm-hmm. and teach it on a basic level. Yeah, and, but without losing its essence or right, its beauty. You know? Getting people... So there, I think I talked to you about this at one point, but there's this concept in, in music uh, called arranging, mm-hmm. where you basically take, let's say, a symphony, and you want to play it on the piano. Well, you can't mm-hmm. play all the parts, so you have mm-hmm. to eliminate some stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you're a master level player, you're going to play a lot of the parts. Mm-hmm. And as you say, well, I'm only intermediate, you strip away some of it, mm-hmm. still leaving the most important parts of that symphony intact. Um, and you can still say, well, I want to play this as a beginner. And honestly, one of the beginner songs we teach on the piano is Beethoven's Ode to Joy. <laughs> but it's all stripped away. And yeah. the only thing that's left is with that main melody, just that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, there it is. Yeah. And the kids the kids get to play that and they go, I've got the essence of it. Now I can't, you, you have to pick which parts are the most salient features and you say, that's the one I want in there. Yeah, that's great. And that's the thing I love. I love being able to mm. take the concepts of the gospel, the big, the big ideas in scripture and go, how do we teach that to the kids that are the most susceptible to this information? Because mm. they soak it up like a sponge. Yeah, that's right. And we want to build this foundational system with them. We want to mm. say, we taught them all the main and the plain. We taught them the big things. Yeah. And then we build on it as they grow up. So when yeah. they get to a bigger level, we teach them bigger stuff. But mm. they haven't missed out on it just because they're little. Yeah, so. oh, I love it. I love it. Because, you know, um, my son played piano for a while. And I remember him saying, I'm playing Beethoven. There you go. And and he was. And anyone who heard it would go, oh, I know that tune. Right. Because the essence was was there. And it wasn't... It wasn't just Mary had a little lamb, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is fine, okay. Which is good, but and it's not and that's so much what we want to do with our kids ministry too. We we want them to get the essence and the heart of the gospel. We want our kids to learn how to walk with Jesus and love their neighbor. That's it, and and not just and this is it's great for the kids to know the biblical stories, but it's more than just handing down a collection of stories. It's knowing the essence, right. and as you said, the most salient point salient points. That, that carry along the real beauty of the gospel itself. Yep. I love, love hearing you say that, man. And it, it makes me excited for our kids' ministry because I, I just, I never want to hear somebody say, we'll dumb it down for the kids. It's like, no, 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 no. No. We'll, we'll, we'll get it to what you're saying, the very essence of its beauty. That's yeah. what we're going to do. There Let the kids get that. And uh, so I, I, every time you've spoken about that, I've just been so, so encouraged and hopeful for our kids, mm. man. Um, 
So I'm almost hesitant to ask you how the transition's going because <laughs> it has been a wild couple of months since you moved here. I mean, there's just been a lot. And then, and we, I don't know how many times I've apologized, but man, did you get deep-ended. We, you, you showed up and then it was immediately, I don't know if I won't get it right, but it was youth camp and then it was kids camp and then it was something else and it was the regional conference. <laughs> yeah, just like entire weeks of, of yeah. like deep immersion into yeah. things your heads were spinning you're like names man so many names <laughs> oh yeah trying to keep track of things um and i i could relate even now um as someone who's been here the whole time i'm feeling the same way um but with all that said <laughs> um i you know i'm i'm really i've been encouraged by some of the conversations we've had about about the vision of the kids ministry moving forward and, and specifically the language you've used around spiritual formation of, mm-hmm. of kids. So um, that's one of our – formation is one of our core values, and we don't want our core values to just be for the adults. We want it to be right. all across the board. So what would right. you say to, to some of those things, um, the formation that, piece in particular? Yeah, yeah, that the idea, just like it is what I was talking about with music, is that there needs to not just be something – uh, that's isolated. You know, we, we have this, I think, this tendency sometimes in ministry to compartmentalize things, and we say, this is for the adult ministry, and mm-hmm. then we have a youth thing, and mm-hmm. we have a kids thing, and we have a worship thing, and right. we end up having all of these things, but they don't play well together. Yeah, they're like appendages. Yeah, you know? yeah. right. And and it's really my heart that the things that are important and valuable to the adults should be the things that are important and valuable that we're teaching our kids. I mean, that's what we do in a family, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I value it as a dad, but I don't show my kids that and I don't teach them that, then am I raising them in that same vein? Am I Mm -hmm. raising, are we all part of the same thing? I mean, that's what Moses talked to the pe- about the people in the desert, right? I mean, he said, yeah. he said, teach these to your kids and do it all the time yeah, all the so time. that in the generations to come, they'll know why we did all of this right. stuff. I mean, I want to see my kids noticing that, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we're doing, but I want them to understand why we do it and why it's important. Mm-hmm. And um, so, it, yeah, it's not about dumbing it down and it's not mm-hmm. about teaching something different. Mm-hmm. It's about teaching something that's... Uh, digestible to uh-huh. kids that, that yeah. they can that they can take in mm-hmm. and convert into something that's going to function. And so, you know, we we've talked, you and I have talked about this I the the big idea that when mm-hmm. we have some of these bigger moments uh, that we're talking about in the church of figuring out how we can incorporate that into the youth and into the kids ministry yeah. as well so that they're on board. Um, which you've already done, right? With, with we're no doing lies. it right now with yeah. um, "Live No Lies." We're doing the armor of God, mm-hmm. uh, and it's we're titling the the whole thing is called Battleground, mm-hmm. and it's been great to offer mm-hmm. the parents something that they can talk to their kids about and say, "I learned about that verse." Mm-hmm. You know, Pastor Aaron talked about that in mm-hmm. church. What did you learn? I learned the same verse, and you get yeah. these conversations around the table. Um, and I don't think it's something we want to do all the time, but mm-hmm. I think it's something that for really important moments, when we yeah. think like these are these are our uh, structural components we're, we're dealing with in the church, that we want to bring these to everybody. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, the vineyard idea that everybody gets to play yeah. is just, it really plays out well in the kids' ministry. I mean, I want to see the kids equipped yeah. to do the stuff, and then I want to see them empowered to say, you can do it. Not just we taught you how to do it, now go do it. Yeah, man, kids can hear from Jesus. It's and unbelievable. Somewhere we get it categorized that like um, hearing from the Lord is only for really varsity Christians or people who've been <laughs> yeah. doing it for a really long time. And then actually, if if we're walking with Jesus, then hearing from Jesus is like breathing. It's just what you, it's just what you do. It's what you would expect. Mm. And there are many ways in which kids just aren't as, they aren't caught up into their own weird evaluations of things like we often are. And in my experience, man, sometimes kids hear more clearly from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I, I know you feel the same way. I, I've loved this expectation that like, like the Holy Spirit stuff is not just for the adults. No. Um, it might even be at least, if not more so for the kids. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I'm excited about where it's going. I'm excited about a move coming up eventually. I know it's going to take a while, um, but there'll be more kid space because mm-hmm. I know you guys have been a, a pretty squeezed yeah. in there. Um, but more kid space is coming. Yeah. More That's services coming. <laughs> I don't know about that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's always always more, man. But man, we're so excited about you being here um, uh, and in this role. Is there, is there anything else you wanted to add or did we cover most of our bases? Yeah, I think we did. I mean, yeah. I think when it when it comes to kids and it comes to adults, I mean, I used to teach my my music students this that when you fill your life with music, when it's something you when when you practice it and when you listen to it and mm-hmm. you read it and you play it for fun and you talk about it and you mm-hmm. write it and you do all of those things, then it becomes something that you not only grow in Mm -hmm. but it's also something that becomes like a lifelong passion yeah that's really what i want to see with the kids so i mean Mm -hmm. it's important that we give them tools Mm -hmm. to realize that we're not doing something just on sunday morning this isn't like i leave church i mean i know that's probably your heart for like that's kind of all of our hearts right church isn't just sunday it's not something we do on sunday (laughs) yeah that's the thing we need to give practical applications to walk this stuff out uh, so that the kids have tools because the world is difficult yeah and there's a lot of dangerous and tricky stuff out there and uh, we need to equip them well yeah so. amen amen well thanks so much we're just celebrating that you're here we're so fired up um i know it's been a lot at the beginning and yeah. transitions are still ongoing but you're doing an awesome job um uh you figured this out probably before you even came but you know, filling the shoes of a legend with one Natasha yeah. <laughs> stepping in and Natasha's celebrating. Um, parents are celebrating because um, God has clearly called you to this, placed you in this for this time um, at, at, at this season in the life of our church. So like as God has been sort of orchestrating your life, he's been orchestrating our church. It's so clear that it's by his providence. He's brought you here, man. And I'm we're just celebrating. We're so excited um, that, that God brought you to us, man. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks for taking a few minutes to talk with us. Yeah, thank you. All Loved right. it. See you. Well, hey, folks. This is Aaron. I'm here with Sharon. And Hello. An update. Quickly, we're going to uh, roll out a, a a policy. And it's weird. It's weird. We're, we're pretty laid back, folk. We don't write policies just for the sake of it. But from time to time, um, we realize, hey, as a church, it's going to be good for us to have something in writing. It will be kind. It will be loving to our church body. It will serve them well. If we take the time to think through an important issue, put some things on paper so that our church understands um, how we can operate within a policy. And so we have, we've, uh, rolled out a policy. There'll be a link to it in the show notes so that you can read it yourself. Uh, but a policy on the subject of alcohol, uh, which is, man, that's a, that's a, an emotionally charged subject. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of debate among like honest, sincere Bible believing Christians who don't necessarily land in the same spot. And we said, okay, um, there's actually some stuff to work through here. It would be kind if we made something available to our congregation. Yeah, I think, I think it's been good to put it all in writing and sort of have the the meetings and all the conversations because it's something that just kind of just continues to come up over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you've done really good sermon series about you know yeah we've alcohol. hit the topic <laughs> yeah well and you can't just send people a link to the sermon series and it's like yeah. okay well what does that mean to our church and so we're like okay like. Um, this is kind of where we stand and, and what we believe as a church. Um, but then here's a policy that's like, um, so because of that, then this is how we will act and we right. will um, interact with, with one another. And so I just think it just, you know, we all we always say clarity is kindness. Yeah. Um, and so we just tried to write a policy so um, it would be clear. So people are in awkward situations. They don't know yeah. what's right or what's taboo or, mm-hmm. you know, so we're just trying to help clarify things. Yeah, and you know, people are asking, or it's not often, but from time to time, people ask a really fair, honest question. It's like, well, that deserves a, a pretty thorough answer, so let's take some time. So, yeah. for example, obviously, we don't we don't serve alcohol at church. No, but we uh, 
we do events all over town and thing you know we're at restaurants at places that do serve alcohol and people go how how exactly are we supposed to navigate that yeah and um how do i how i navigate the fact that maybe some people in my small group choose abstinence and don't drink any alcohol others choose to drink in moderation you know and so, okay we need to give some direction that yeah. seems that seems kind well yeah and even our communion obviously is grape juice yes you know and some people were like well like why don't we have wine this is the vineyard <laughs> right and that is what historically most churches throughout history have done why aren't we why aren't yeah. we yeah doing yeah. wine and so it's like well for lots of reasons mm-hmm. you know because we do have you know brothers and sisters who believe that they're absolutely supposed to abstain we do mm-hmm. have people who struggle with alcoholism or yes. recovering addicts or whatever um, and so we we just don't, and we have two we have kids you know <laughs> just mm-hmm. like taking those little uh, snackables or whatever we say and so it's just easier um, and the most loving thing to do mm-hmm. uh, especially on a Sunday morning is to have juice not have you know even the smell of it around yeah and that you said the most loving thing to do and that's really what drives it what is the most loving thing to do I went to a church service um, at, in another denomination with a friend of mine. Um, who had been an alcoholic and had not consumed alcohol in years. Mm -hmm. And we went up to take communion at this service. He was given alcohol, Mm -hmm. or it was wine, um, and he didn't know. He wasn't wasn't prepared for it. And I didn't even think about it. I don't think I even noticed. And I sat down next to him because we got up to receive communion. I sat down next to him, and he grabbed my leg and was, like, squeezing it. And he goes, Aaron, you have to pray for me. I am terrified. Mm-hmm. He said, I, I haven't had alcohol in years, and I'm so afraid that, you know, that." and I didn't even – it took me a while to even catch on to what was going on. And I thought, this is an open gathering. Anyone is welcome. Um, right. You know, you don't want to run the risk of doing that. So, again, that goes back to the – the driving thing. What is the most loving thing Absolutely. to do in a, in a world where like honest, sincere, Bible believing, amazing Christians differ and have have a variety of of positions. Yeah. Um, so anyway, our our take on this is there's there's basically four positions um, that people hold on the subject of alcohol. Uh, two of them are biblical. And two of them are not. So this isn't you have to be exactly where we are at all, um, but somewhere in that biblical range. (laughs) That would be good. Yeah, that would be good. We're Bible people. Um, uh, The first position, we'll start from kind of the most uh, conservative to to least. Um, The first is uh, prohibition. And so prohibition says, I'm not going to drink alcohol and I prohibit anyone else from drinking alcohol because it's a sin. And so, uh, and that is not a biblical position because the Bible does not teach that under all circumstances it's always a sin to drink alcohol. Um, and so, uh, even though for some it absolutely is, and if the the uh, the policy actually goes through very carefully and explains why that's our understanding. It's it's a it's a profoundly and it's a historically orthodox Christian position for sure. Um, so prohibition, that means we're prohibiting something, we're calling something a sin that the Bible doesn't actually call a sin. Mm-hmm. And then there's some, there's some really high, there's some important ramifications of that because in scripture we see Jesus consuming alcohol. If we call it a sin, then we're calling Jesus a sinner and kind of our whole theology falls apart at yeah, that point. Yeah, that's not like a good, you can't, you good can't way do to that. go about it, yeah. Um, and I really understand the sensibility behind the prohibition position. It's like, hey man, this thing is really powerful. It's hurt lots and lots of people. It's It's been a scourge on society in so many ways. Wouldn't we be better off if we all just said no always? And I, I've asked the Lord that question. I didn't get an answer, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a fair question mm-hmm. um, because it has done such damage. But the bottom line is we are not going to add laws um, or add rules and certainly laws or rules that would that would then indict God himself. So we're just <laughs> not going to do that. Yeah. So that's prohibition. The second position is abstinence. And abstinence is I choose to abstain from alcohol. You may do as you choose. Um, and that is an absolutely biblical position. Mm-hmm. There are lots of reasons, and again, it's in the policy. It's a long, it's, it's a significant list of reasons for which people um, um, they may, in fact, need to abstain from alcohol always, and it may, in fact, be a sin for them. Right. 
Um, one of the most blatant ones is it's a sin to do anything that goes against your conscience. Absolutely. And if you're like, hey, man, this just doesn't settle well with me, mm -hmm. that alone is reason enough for you to abstain yeah. and for it to be a sin for you not to abstain. Right. Um, like if you gu feel guilty or if you feel shame or whatever that is, it's like, okay, like that, that might be the Holy Spirit. That might be yeah. you just needing to work things out with the Lord, but it's probably not for you. Yes. If you can't worship Jesus with a drink in your hand, then you shouldn't have a Absolutely. drink in your hand. <laughs> it's a really good way to put it. It helps yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. And then other just practical reasons. If you sign a covenant saying that you wouldn't because you're at a conservative college, if you are under 21 because we obey the laws of the land, yeah. on and on. Those are integrity issues, right? Yes. Yeah. And most importantly, if for some reason it is harmful to someone else yeah. for you to not abstain, then you must abstain because, again, the law of love is the highest law. Yeah. Um, the third position, so there's there's prohibition, abstinence. The third position is is moderation, which is I'm going to drink not in excess. I'm going to drink in moderation, um, and and others may do as they choose. And that is it. That is a biblical position. Yeah. Um, we see many examples of people consuming alcohol, and it's not listed as a sin. Drunkenness, for sure, is listed as yeah, a sin in Scripture. It's just it's just so black and white that there is no reasonable argument to be made otherwise. It is a sin. Um, but to drink in moderation is not something that is forbidden in Scripture. And if you're able to do that in love, if you're able to do that in a situation that doesn't harm your conscience, that doesn't hurt others, that isn't a potential stumbling block to others, if you are thoughtful and wise and deliberate and measured and mature enough to handle it. And that's a whole stack of reasons why you may or may not be. Right. Um, and you need to know like your like your limits and you need to absolutely. know the limits of even your spouse. And yes. we've talked a lot of that before. Like if mm -hmm. it makes the people around you uncomfortable or whatever it is, it's like you need to have these open conversations and make sure that um, that if you are going to have alcohol, that, that you're not making anyone around you feel really uncomfortable. Yes. If you choose to drink in moderation, there will be times for sure where the law of love dictates that you abstain. Yeah. And if you're not willing to submit to that, then you've just got to be in the abstinence category and just and just not not partake. Yeah, the whole like you can't flaunt it or you know in front of people or Absolutely. because you have permission or that kind of thing. That's just that doesn't feel like the heart of God. Absolutely not. Yeah, and the Bible's really explicit about that too. Um, and then the fourth position is excess or drunkenness. And the Bible, again, we've already said it, it's so unbelievably clear. Um, I, I just don't understand how anyone could love the Bible and say that drinking alcohol <laughs> in excess is okay. Yeah. And so that. That's not a biblical position. So the two extremes, prohibition and drunkenness or excess, those are not biblical positions. And the two positions in the middle, where you choose abstinence or you choose moderation, um, either way, provided you are first and foremost submitted to the highest law, which is love of neighbor, um, it, it, then those are, those are biblical positions. Um, and so what the policy does, it says, okay, how do we think through these things? Mm -hmm. How do we understand them biblically? And then how do we, how do those things work themselves out in the context of, a, for example, a church gathering? Yeah. And so we work through those. Well, there's always so things. many questions. It's like, okay, so if my small group gets together, you know, can we have alcohol at our small group? Well, what if we all go bowling or what if we all go out to dinner or what if we're just friends that happen to be in a small group, but we're going out to, you know, all those yes. questions. And so it gets complicated. And so we're honestly, we're not trying to further complicate it. We're just no. supposed to. We're just trying to uncomplicate it. Well, what the policy definitely does not do is address every possible situation. <laughs> right. um, I wouldn't even want to try. No. Um, but it does give us the guardrails, okay. which again, I just keep saying it. It's the law of love. You yeah. you you do it in service and love to neighbor. Um, and, and that's what governs it all. And then, of course, it makes us, our staff, available mm -hmm. to people to sort of process it because we don't look at this and see anything simple. We see difficult, complicated, challenging, like what does it look like to be wise and loving and kind? So, um, and so that's why we took the time uh, to write the policy. Yeah. By the way, this wasn't just Aaron wrote a paper. Um, <laughs> our ecclesiastical board, uh, which which governs matters like this, ecclesiastical matters in the life of our church, met, discussed, uh, decided upon the need, um, spent quite a bit of time discussing it, then commissioned me to write a paper. <laughs> and then we went through rounds of edits to make sure um, that we were we were kind of at peace about that. Sure. And where do we find the paper? Uh, there's a link to it in the show notes, and uh, so and from that direct link, we can we can get to it any any time. Great. Yep. And we'll as um, we will make it as clear as we can. And moving forward, we'll make it we'll make it more widely available to the church as well. But yeah. it's but it's public now. Helpful. Very helpful. All right. Thanks for chatting about it, Sharon. All right. Yeah. Thanks.